week we've kind of been going through, and there's, you know, this, this, these themes that each week Peter kind of lays out. I'm going to tell you one of the themes this week is one that I've kind of already touched point on, I believe, in 1 Peter chapter 1. But that's the thing. Like, when they would write these things, they would write them and, and remind you, hey, re- just a reminder, this is, this is where we're focused at. This is where our heart is. This is where we're purposed to be at. And, uh, and so I've got three main points this morning that 1 Peter 4 kind of jumped out on me. And uh, we're going to start at the very beginning of 1 Peter. And the, the first thing that jumped out at me was this, was that Peter reminds us that we are finished with sin and excited for God. Amen? That, that we're finished with our old life and we're excited about where God is taking us. And so if you look at 1 Peter uh, chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, it says this. So then, remember, and I'm going to keep reminding so that you read the Bible differently when you read it. So then is a reminder of what was said prior. You know, with what was said, so then, let's focus on this. And remember, it wasn't written uh, book and chapter. It was written as a letter. And so the, the book and chapter is for our help, our benefit, but it was written like a letter. And so he says, so then, since Christ suffered physical pain, you must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had and be ready to suffer too. For if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. You won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And so here's this this beautiful picture of what, what Peter is laying out to the church at that time, and he's saying, listen, Jesus was our example. And everything he did, Jesus was our example. And so if Jesus suffered and if Jesus went through struggles, guess what? We're going to suffer and we're going to go through struggles, but it's the mindset in which we go through them that is important. It's not the struggle itself. It's, it's the mindset. It's the building up of spiritual disciplines. It's the building up of who God is creating us in those moments. And so the same attitude as Christ had. That one, uh, one that is determined and focused on the will of the Father, Right When Jesus would walk around and, and he would do things, he goes, I'm not here to serve my pleasure. I'm not here to do what I want. I'm here to do the, the will of the Father. I've been sent on purpose, for a purpose, to, to help change the direction and the path of, of people's spiritual lives and, the, and, the, and their world. And so I'm not here just to do whatever I want. I think that, that the, the humanity of Jesus probably would have done some things differently. Because why else would you state that, Right? Think about it. When, 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 when parents say, and, and parents, you know this, you, you tell them to do something, your kid asks, why? What do you say? Because I said so, right? <laughs> they're, they're, it's, it's not, this isn't a democracy. You don't get to have a conversation with me and try to change my mind because guess what? I'm stubborn and it's not going to happen, right? So, so Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, there, there may be some things that with his humanity, with his humanness, he would do differently, but I'm not here to do just what I want. I'm here to do the will of the Father. We see that beautiful picture in the Garden of Gethsemane before he uh, goes to the cross, right? As a matter of fact, he goes to God and he says, hey, God, Dad, is there any other way to do this? Is there any other way to make this sacrifice happen and and to forgive the sins of everybody from beginning to end? Is there any other way but your will be done, not mine? 
And so Jesus lays out this beautiful picture of what it means to walk through struggles and to walk through uh, moments in life where, where we are being, um, maybe, maybe we are being you know, made fun of for our faith. Maybe we're struggling in our faith. Maybe we're the only Christian in, in, in certain groups. And so we, we, we wrestle with that. And, and Jesus is saying, listen, I've wrestled with all of these emotions and all of these things and, and, and that suffering that we walk through when we put it in the mindset of Christ not here just to do my will. I'm not here just to, just to have fun. You know, YOLO, you only live once. Uh, that's not true. You will live again. It's up to you to decide where, right? Like we, and, and, and here's the thing. It's, 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 we get to choose that because we're not robots. God doesn't say, well, you know, you know, and, 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 and just to give you an idea of some of my geeked out the, theological conversations I have with some of my friends, um, that, there's this, you know, there's these two main thoughts uh, throughout Scripture. One is uh, predestination, right? Which means that, you know, once you get saved, that, that the moment you were born, Jesus knew exactly, or God knew exactly who was going to heaven and hell. Um, there's also the, the uh, saved by grace, um, which kind of sounds obvious to me, but that's where I kind of sit. Um, and, and because the Bible talks about predestination, and so we get tripped up with that word, Right? And, and so the fact is, is that, and, and, and the deeper conversation of, well, but God knows everything, right? How many have ever said, but God knows everything. So he knows what I'm going to, he knows, every, he knows where my life's going to go. And from a flat storyline, timeline, absolutely. God knows the beginning and the end. That's God. If you try to sit there and think too hard on it, you're going to lose brain cells. Okay, because we can't think like God. So we're like, how does God give me free will and yet know what I'm going to do? That seems like they don't go hand in hand. So, so God must be contradictory. But the reality is, is that it's not. He gave you free will, and yet he knows, and this is the way I like to explain it. And Maybe I'm wrong and God will correct me at some point, but this is how I've always felt in my spirit. God knows every circumstance and every choice we're going to be laid out before us. He also knows what direction our life will go depending on what we choose. So when I was 14 years old and I had the choice of going and getting high and drunk for the first time or going to church, that is a drastic fork in the road. <laughs> a drastic fork in the road. And had I chosen the one, who knows where I would be compared to the one that I said, well, I'm just going to get my friend off my back and go to church with her for one Sunday and it radically changed my life. See, see, God knew Scott's going to get this option at some point at 14 years old. On this date, Scott's going to get an option to either go with his friend and go get high and drunk on the weekend, or he's going to have an option because his other friend's going to invite him to church for the 30,000th time in four months. And he's going to have to choose. It's his will. It's his choice. I know that if he chooses this, this is the direction of his life. And if he chooses this, this is going to be the direction of his life. Many times we're faced with these, these, you know, forks in the road. And yes, I think that God knows everything about every option we have laid out before us, but we have the free will to make the decision. That was a complete tangent that wasn't even in my message. <laughs> but, but that's the thing, right? 
is that we go, well, God, why would you make me go through this? Why would you have me go through this in life? And he's going, listen, hold on. When you choose me, there, there is a suffering that comes along with it. And, and, and you got to keep saying, God, your will be done, not mine, right? The, the, uh, our father, right? The, you know, the disciples prayer, whatever you want to call it, that it says your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's saying, listen, I'm inviting your will in my life, not my will in my life. That's what it says. It says you, you must, you must arm yourself with the same attitude that Jesus had when he was walking through every aspect of his life says you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires, but you will be anxious to do the will of God. And, 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 and that word anxious, I think, gets a, a really bad rap for the, the word, right? But the reality is, is like you could intertwine anxious with excited, right? You know, that, that, that feeling of, you know, for, I'll say for me, like going to Disney World or Disneyland, you know, it's like, oh, vacation or going to the beach or whatever, you know, or, or maybe it's the, you know, you're excited about starting a new job. It's that, it's that good kind of anxious, that sits in your gut and you're excited and antsy and you're like, I can't wait to do this. And he says, listen, when you, when you give your life to Christ and you say, God, your will be done, I'm going to put on the same attitude that Christ had in my life. And you no longer are focused on doing your own desires and living in sin, but you are focused on the will of God in your life. That doesn't mean perfect. I think sometimes, you know, when I say that, people think that I am giving you an out to sin. That's not what I'm saying either. What I'm saying is don't put perfection as your, as your benchmark every single day because you will, you will allow the enemy to, let you, uh, to make you feel less than. You should wake up and say, God, I'm going to give my best to this day. And I'm going to seek your will, and I'm going to seek your purpose in this day. But God, I know that there's going to be opportunities where I'm going to have uh, a chance to fall and make a mistake, maybe say something that I shouldn't have, uh, do something that I shouldn't have. And, and God, I'm asking for your wisdom that I don't do it. But I'm also asking for your forgiveness and correction if I do. See, uh, I read something this week that said that, that churches don't talk about uh, repentance enough. And I think the problem is because we, uh, we, we swung the pendulum so far in church history and church preaching, when we talk about repentance, uh, most people think hellfire and the brimstone. And so we, you know, that whole turn and burn, you know, oh, saith the Lord, you're all going to hell. Huh. You got to add the huh, by the way. Um, get right this, and, and you would, and listen, I could, I could make y'all feel so bad about yourself that all of you would be at the altar every Sunday. Is that really the point? No. The, the point is that the altars are filled with people that are close to Jesus and just wanting to spend time with him. The, the altar, it, it, it was a place of sacrifice. Hey, God, I want to be closer to you. It's not this, woe is me, I'm a sinner again, and I need to get saved this week again. So, salvation is not an again and an again and an again. You're saved by grace to be discipled and live therein. Salvation isn't something that you need to go, if you're getting saved every week, you haven't been saved yet. That may step on some toes. I grew up in a church where I saw the same five people get saved every Sunday. Y'all think I'm joking. It, listen, I knew the pastor would, if you, want to, if you need redemption and, re, and repentance, and, and that person you knew was going down to the altar. I'm like, how bad is your week? That you got to get saved again. 
There may be times in my life where I feel a, a, a little bit apart from God. And I need to ask for forgiveness and I need to repent. And repentance isn't just asking for forgiveness. It's, it's changing, right? You know, when you ask for forgiveness of somebody, if you do it again, what, what, what do you think is going to happen the next time you ask for forgiveness? Here we go again. See, repentance is a, God, I know that this isn't how you want me to live my life, and I'm going to change it. I'm going to do something different, and I'm going to be anxious or excited about doing the will of God. So I'm finished with sin. In other words, sin doesn't control me like it used to. We will always be tempted. The Bible says that, that, that that all have fallen short of the glory of God. That doesn't mean that we get to camp there and make it as an excuse. But we know that God is a good and gracious God to forgive us when we make mistakes if we're willing to listen to the corrections. Eventually, if all you do is go to him and say, God, guess what I did this week? (laughs) The same thing I've done for the last five years. Eventually, it's not that God stops forgiving. It's you stop being connected to the heart of God. God doesn't move, we do. So if you keep continuing in the same sins and doing and you're not being corrected and you're not changing and and you're not willing to be molded into the image of Christ and be discipled into the image of Christ, eventually what you're doing, it's not that God's walking away from you. It's you're literally walking away from him and you don't even realize it. Then you go, I don't understand why I don't feel God. I don't understand why worship doesn't hit like it used to. I, I wonder why Pastor Scott's messages aren't as good. They used to be so good and now he just sucks. It's, it's not me. It's that we have created walls that block the Holy Spirit to be able to convict and correct us because we don't want it. The Bible says the Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He's not coming in, guns blazing, knocking your door around, going, that's it, I'm tired of it, you're going to change the sin whether you like it or not. He's going to be like, yeah, that's where you want to sit, cool. I'm here when you're ready, but if you wait too long, you may miss me. Your opportunity may, may pass. And so we're finished with it. God, I am done with allowing sin to rule my life, and I'm excited to wake up every day and do the will of God. Finished with it. The second thing that we see in 1 Peter 4 is that, um, and this is the one that I reiterate from the first week, which is we live with the end in mind. We live with the end in mind. When we live with the end in mind, it changes how we live our day to day. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 9. The end of the world is coming soon. (laughs) It's a pretty brazen statement. Now, once again, God has, his time and our time are two different worlds, right? A day is like a thousand years, a thousand years is like a day to him. Peter is preaching almost 2,000 years ago. The world is coming to an end. We stand here today and we say, hey, listen, today the world is coming to an end. We're one day closer to whenever God's going to come back. Whether it's this afternoon or a hundred years from now or a thousand years from now, it doesn't really matter when the end is. Our end will come at some point. Everybody's end will come, and and we will be faced with the reality of our life, that little dash between the beginning and the end. And and the question becomes, did we live with a purpose? Did we live with an end in mind? And and so look at uh, what he says. The end of the world is coming soon. Therefore, so with the thought that, that, that the end of your life is coming at some point, Therefore, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. For love covers a multitude of sins. 
Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. I pulled a few things out of this that I absolutely love. First of all, is that Peter says, with, with, with the end in mind, with, with the fact that heaven is our goal, heaven is our home, we are foreigners and strangers in this land, and heaven is my, my end goal, be earnest and disciplined in a prayer life. Earnest and disciplined in your prayer life. Not just over your food, not just over the things you want, but seeking God's will. Man, Jesus laid it out, right? The, 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 he said, this is how you pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. In other words, God, you're holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. In other words, your will, not mine. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. You know, give us what we need to survive and forgive us of the things we make a mistake as we forgive those who sin against us. And so there's, there's, there's this beautiful picture of what prayer can look like. And it, and it doesn't have to be that. It's not reciting words, right? It's just, it's going before God and saying, listen, I know you're God and I know you're holy and I know that you're perfect and, and your peace and your love and your joy and your faith, it abounds much in my life. And you are a good God. Hey, God, also, I, wanna, I want you to know that, that I want your will in my life. I want you to encourage me, equip me, challenge, change me, correct me in my life. God, help me to, to, to spend wisely and, and to do wisely with my time so that I can take care of myself and my family. And God, I ask for forgiveness of the things that are going on in my life that don't line up with your will. But God, also help me to be a forgiving person. It's, it's earnest and disciplined prayers. Uh, Miss Nancy, um, who is in the back, uh, she created a Facebook prayer group. Anybody can join, right? Just look up Freedom Church, Freedom Church Prayer. So, so we want we want to, as many avenues as we can. One of, uh, so, so we were talking in our leaders meeting that that um, we need an avenue for prayer chain type thing, right? To, to, if you need prayer, how do you get that out? You know, obviously most of you can can get a hold of me in some way, shape, or form. And and, and but but what if you can't? You know, there's great ways. And so uh, we're going to create a an email prayer at fcpeople.church, where you can just email that, that email. It'll go directly to Miss Nancy, and then she will be able to uh, disseminate it to a prayer group, as well as put it in this prayer Facebook group, where anybody, can, anybody that's a part of the group can see it and be praying. How awesome, you know, technology, we can give it all the bad that we want, but it, when it's used in proper perspective and, and, and with greatness, it is a great tool to be able to get things out. And so over the next few weeks, we'll be getting the information of how, to, uh, to, to how all that's going to work. But if you want to uh, join the, the Facebook prayer group, go to uh, free, look up Freedom FC People Prayer um, and, and, and join it. And if you need prayer, put it in there. And, and everybody in the group will be there to be able to pray for you. And so, I mean, to me, it's just how awesome that it could be one o'clock in the morning and you're walking through it. You could put it out on Facebook and you know that your brothers and sisters are going to see that and be praying for you. Earnest and disciplined prayer life. Show deep. Listen, the Bible didn't just say show love. It said show deep love for one another. Now, can I tell you that there is a difference between, and, and God, I hope I don't confuse y'all with this thought process because it can be kind of confusing. Um, there's, there's love for the, the saints, the church, your peoples, and then there's love for the world, right? Um, and the Bible says that we are to love everybody. But the Bible says specifically that within the house of God, there should be a deep love for each other. 
I've got your back. I've, I'm on the same wavelength. We, this doesn't mean that we're best friends with everybody. <laughs> I have this conversation with teenagers all the time. If everybody's your best friend, nobody's your best friend. Okay? It's just the reality. You know, you can't, you know, well, they're my best, 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 best friend, and they're just my best, best, best friend. Like, no. Listen, at some point, you've got to stop having, like, best friend literally is the description of what it means. You are the, out of all of my friends, you're the one <laughs> best Okay, that's like saying that everybody gets a gold star and, and is in first place. No, somebody loses, okay? And, and so at, at, at the end of the day, like we all have those people that we're really, really tight with, our, our, our immediate circle. But in the church house, it's, it's saying that, you know what, I may be really close to Eric and, and, and I may be really close to Sean and I may be getting to know somebody else, but it doesn't mean that I, am, uh, that, that I don't want you in my life. Man, I'm showing love for everybody, especially in the church house. Show deep love. Show concern for one another. Care for one another. Be there for one another, right? To, to say, hey, look, this person hasn't been here in, in a couple of weeks. Maybe I should give them a call and, and just say, hey, you know, just want to let you know. I've noticed your seat is missing, and I want to let you know that I love you and that, we're, that you're missed. Or, or shoot a Facebook message. Um, those people that you're close with. It's show deep love for one another. Why? Because Love covers a multitude of sin. It's just like prayer. You know, it's interesting. Um, When you start praying for somebody, it's hard to talk bad about them. When you start caring about where somebody's at, it's hard to talk bad about them. Because you're invested in a better outcome. If, if Mr. Randy was going through it and he was struggling and, and whatever, and, and we're praying for Mr. Randy, by the way, Mr. Randy's fine. He's, he's good. Um, but, but we were, you know, you're not going to talk bad about him. You're going to be there to say, hey, what do you need? How, how can I help you? You know, I've, I've, and I've watched it time and time again just in our church over the last five years where somebody has said something and people have stepped up uh, financially praying um, meals. And it wasn't even something that we would organize. Just people would come up to me and go, hey, this is, I, I, heard, I heard this person was, was going through it and I want to help. That, that is showing deep love. It's because we are invested. And when we're invested, we act accordingly. Because I can overlook the small little uh, differences and, and sins that, you know, oh man, you know, I just, I can't stand when they do this, but you know what? I love them. And so because I care, I can overlook the petty things so that I can get to the deeper things of God in their life. Covers over that and we care for one another. And the last part that it says in that is that it says, cheerfully be generous with others. Once again, this is predominantly he's speaking to the church house. He's saying, hey, look. Be willing to open up your house and, and, to, and to share life with people. Matter, so uh, there's a term floating around in the church world called home church, right? And I don't say that to be mean. It's just, it's, it's like, it's a new old thing, really, um, because it's not, it's not new. But, you know, culture thinks it's new. Uh, and what it is, is they said, the church is bad, you know, it's, it's politicized and it's, it's too big for me and, and I need smaller. And so what they did was they, uh, they started these little home churches where they, you know, meet in homes or apartments and stuff like that. And it's like 5, 10, 15 of them. And, and, they, and, and, it's just, and then once it gets too big, then they split and they have another home group. And they're over, uh, they, there's an overseer of kind of like the, the pods of home churches. Uh, that's the New Testament church, by the way. Um, 
they met in homes, but they also met as a congregation. And that's what we don't understand. The, the system of New Testament church was, it says they met in the synagogue. Church. Big place. And then throughout the week, it says they met, listen, they met daily at houses and, and broke bread. And that wasn't going, hey, guys, everybody, we're meeting at the Joneses' house. Eric's going to cook five cows for everybody. It's what he cooks for two of us anyways. But, um, but it's, it's, it's saying, listen, as believers, do life with one another. Pick up the phone sometimes and just say, hey, come over. Happened a couple of weeks ago. Matt, <laughs> Matt goes, I'm sitting there at home, and Matt just says, hey, you want some snow cones? Like, what a random text message, by the way. <laughs> like, <laughs> two grown men talking about snow cones. Like, you know, listen, I'm not, I'm not t- turning down a snow cone, by the way. Just not going to happen, especially on a hot day. And so, I, in the middle of a Sunday afternoon, I grabbed the wife and, and, and Zion as, as he was out running around, and I said, let's go get snow cones. And we were there for like two hours talking life and talking about the hopes and futures and plans and all. Listen, it's the little things. It's, it's the phone conversations. It's the text messaging. It, it, it's, 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 what, it's what builds each other up and it's what will keep you plugged into a church because my preaching won't. And I'm not saying that I'm, as, a, as a woe is me, I'm a horrible preacher. I know where I, where I sit as far as preaching. I think I do all right job. Uh, I think the worship does a, 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 a good job. I think as a church, we do a good job. But we will not keep you. It's the community that will keep you. It's the, I know somebody cares, and, and I love spending time with this person, and I love, you know, I love this aspect of, of the church, and, and I love watching, I listen, I Facebook stalk and, and all that stuff, you know, and I love watching where, where each of you are, you know, talking to each other on Facebook. Hannah just posted something about a house that she's remodeling, and I see everybody, you know, chatting back and forth, and, um, and, and I love it. I just, man, it just excites me to know that outside of Sunday morning, there is community happening within our people. Because that's what the Bible says is important. Cheerfully be generous with one another. And that doesn't necessarily just mean financially. It just means be willing to be in people's lives. Be willing to be available. Be willing to have, because it doesn't mean that you have to drop everything every single time somebody calls, but maybe it's just answering the phone and saying, hey, I got five minutes. There's a couple times this week where I couldn't answer the phone, but I just shot him back. Hey, what you need? You know, and, and there was a little text message conversation. Because I couldn't leave what I was doing, but I could, I could make some space to talk. And so it's just being available. Lastly, that what we see in 1 Peter 4 is he talks about using our gifts. So we see in 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11, it says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself were speaking through you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. There's not one of you in this room that doesn't have a gift. And I love how it says this. God has given each of you a gift from the great variety of spiritual gifts that that he has which could be, and will be a message eventually, probably sometime soon, um, 
maybe fall um, about about the Holy Spirit and the gifts. It may come up in our You Get to Choose uh, series because I know a lot of people ask me about that. Well, what, do you, what is your take on the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the, uh, uh, specifically everybody likes to ask me what my uh, viewpoint of speaking in tongues is. Um, by the way, I have a completely different variation of what a lot of people will say because I've studied it a lot because <laughs> it drives me insane. Um, but it's not that... Everybody gets the same gifts. Jesus is not a cookie-cutter God. It's not like, well, everybody's got to speak in tongues, or everybody's got to be a speaker, or everybody's got to be bold, or everybody's got to have this. The Bible says, matter of fact, and, and, and I believe it's in Corinthians, it says that the Holy Spirit will give you what you need when you need it. Right? Speaking in tongues does no good if you're building a house. Well, you know, I'm not going to pick up that hammer, but, you know, Honda, 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 Honda. What? What good does that do for people? It does no good. The Holy Spirit's gifts were never meant to be a show. They were always meant to be a help. That's what it says here in 1 Peter. It says he's going to give you these gifts to be beneficial for others. Matter of fact, most gifts, spiritual gifts, are not about you. It's always about other people. It's either a tool for evangelism or is a tool to build up the church. It is never about you, right? Me having the gift of gab or speaking is to edify and build up through teaching the word of God to people. It's not, it's not just to make myself, matter of fact, me and Pastor Michael had this conversation when he was here in February for our birthday, and it really um, challenged me because he said, you know, uh, a lot of times preachers, we just like to throw out things because we want people to know that we do know what we're talking about, and so we use big words and we use spiritual words, and, and, and we just do that, right? And so, you know, and I've said it before, oh, the Greek word of this and the Hebrew word of this, and then I say the Hebrew, are you ever going to care or remember that? Probably not. Unless you're one of those people, like the three people in the room that like care about that stuff. But the point is what you will remember, right? You're not going to remember, oh, the Greek word for da-da-da-da is this, and it means this. You're going to remember that when God spoke this in his word, it means this, and I want to implement this in my life. So my goal isn't to just sound smart for the sake of being smart uh, when it comes to the Bible. It's I want to get the point across to the best of my ability because God gave me a gift, and I want to use it appropriately. So when you live your life and you say, God, give me the gifts for the day ahead, because you may need boldness. You may need joy. Go go back and, and read through Corinthians where it talks about the gifts of the Spirit gifts of the Spirit. It is one Spirit that gives accordingly. And if you ever, and, uh, if you ever hear anybody say that we all should have the same gifts, run. Run. Because <laughs> it's not true. And how we use those gifts is very, very important because it says it's to serve one another. That's why we're so big on serving our community and serve days is because we want to give people the opportunity to use their giftings. Because you may never want to get on a microphone and talk, but you may say, give me a tool in my hand and let me go to work. Right? Some of you, you, I don't want to talk to anybody. It's not what I do. But I can fix things or I can build things or I can make things right. You know? 
And, and so we want to give you an opportunity. That's what that's our, our four pillars of our church is to know God, right? To find freedom, to discover your purpose. In other words, to find the giftings that God has blessed you with on a natural capability to use for the glory of God everywhere you go. Every day waking up going, God, I know this may be my job, but how are you going to use it to benefit and glorify the kingdom of God? How can I live my life to glorify you? Because that's what it says. Then when you live within your purpose, when you live within the giftings of the Holy Spirit, it says then everything you do. Every pumping gas can be glorify God because when you line your life up with the gifts, because you may be sitting there just pumping gas, da, 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 and, and you hear the person next to you say something, and God says, ah, talk to them. I need, God, I need, the, I need the gift of boldness right now because I don't really want to talk to them. And he does. He'll fill you, and you're like, okay, hey, I overheard you say this. Da, da, da. Or maybe they say, oh, my gosh, I can only put $5 in, and the Holy Spirit unctions you. Pay for their gas. Pay for their meal. The gift of generosity. It's a gift, by the way. There's, like, normal tithe and offering, like, normal tithe, people that, like, hey, this is my, this is my, my God calling to, to help support the church financially. And then there are people that have the gift of generosity. They make a lot of money and they just want to bless the kingdom so that everything you do will bring glory to God. The Oklahoma universities, um, and by the way, I'm not a big fan of the, the college itself because they're horrible um, and they're not the Longhorns, but the Oklahoma University uh, Sooners softball team was quite amazing. You better hush your mouth over there. That's like cussing in church right there. Um, but the Oklahoma uh, University Sooners softball team had, had a phenomenal year. I believe they went undefeated or they lost one game or something like that all year. Huh? There we go. And they, and they, won, the, they won the World Series uh, of, of uh, softball uh, for a college-level Division I. I want to play the video. It's a four-minute video of three of their girls and the coach. Uh, at, this is two days before the World Series actually took place, before they won the championship. And I want you to hear an ESPN uh, reporter ask him a question. I want you to listen to what they had to say to the reporter based off that question. Alex Scarborough with ESPN. For, for the players, I know you talked about keeping the joy of the game, but I'm curious. It's a long season, right? And you guys have had the target on your back the entire time, the win streak being number one. How do you handle the unique pressure that comes with that? How do you keep the joy for so long when anxiety seems like a thing that could very easily set in? Well, the only way that you can have a joy that doesn't fade away is from the Lord. And any other type of joy is actually happiness that comes from circumstances and outcomes. And um, I think Coach has said this before, but joy from the Lord is really the only thing that can keep you motivated, um, uh, just in a good mindset, uh, no matter the outcomes. Thankfully, we've had a lot of success this year, but if it was the other way around, uh, joy from the Lord is the only thing that can keep you embracing those memories, moments, friendships, and all of that. So uh, I would, that's really the only, the only answer to that because there's no other way that softball can bring you that um, because of how much failure comes in it and just how much of a roller coaster the game can be. 1,000%. Agree with Grace Lyons. Um, 
I went through that my freshman year. I I was so happy to win the college. I've talked about this before, but I was just so happy that we won the College World Series, but I didn't feel joy. I didn't have, I didn't know what to do the next day. I didn't know what to do for that following week. I didn't feel filled and I had to find Christ in that. And I think that is what makes our team so strong is that we're not afraid to lose because if it's not the end of the world, if we do lose, yes, obviously we've worked our butts off to be here and we want to win, but it's not the end of the world because our life is in Christ and that's all that matters. Yeah. Um, I think a huge thing that we've really just latched onto is eyes up and you guys see us doing this and pointing up, but we're really like fixing our eyes on Christ. And that's something where, like they were saying, you can't find a fulfillment in an outcome, whether it's good or bad. And um, I think that's why we're so steady in what we do and, and our love for each other and our love for the game, because we know this game is giving us the opportunity to glorify God. Mm-hmm. And um, I just think once we figured that out and that was our purpose and everyone was all in with that, um, it's really changed so much for us. And I mean, I know myself, I, I've seen so much of a growth in myself with um, once I turned to Jesus and I realized how he had changed my outlook on life, not just softball, but understanding how much I have to live for. And that's living to exemplify the kingdom. And I think that brings so much freedom. And I'm sure everyone's story is similar, but we all have those great testimonies that have really like shown how awesome it is to play for something bigger. Um, and I think that's just what brings me so much joy. And no matter the outcome, whether we get a trophy in the end or not, we're, this isn't our home. And I think that's what's amazing about it is we have so much more. We have an eternity of joy with our Father, and I'm so excited about that. And yes, I live in the moment, but I know this isn't my home. And um, no matter what, my sisters in Christ will be there with me in the end um, when we're with our, our King. So, Patty, uh, you've got to keep your eye on the prize and, and really work with these players on, on their skill set. But I don't know I how long. You can go from a human nature right perspective. It's easier to learn from failure and from losing. Y'all, <laughs> a national platform. They could have got up there and said, you know what, our, our coach has, has drilled in our heads how to do the, the basics over and over again so that it became like we're sleeping. They've taught us how to, to, to take our hitting game to the next level. Our pitchers are just lights out, and that's why we're winning. We have joy because we get the W's. And these three young ladies get up and one by one on national TV Say, softball's okay. It's cool. We want to win. But <laughs> if you want to ask us about joy, it has nothing to do with this game. Every single one of them said the same thing over and over again, pretty much. Like, we love this game, and, and we're going to work our butts to go out there and get that trophy. But if we don't, it's it, listen, our life is not over. I love what the one in the middle said. He goes, I've been here before. My freshman year, I won the championship. And I woke up the next day, and I said, what the heck do I do with my life? Because I don't even feel filled. Maybe you've been there in your life where you feel like it's all going together, yet everything feels lonely and lost, purposeless. It's because we could do all the right things and still have all the wrong missing parts that bring joy and purpose. And the 
flip side of that is, and they even mentioned it, everything could go wrong. But when I know that I've got Jesus directing the ship and catering to the, the aspect of all that I need for my life, then I'm not worried because I'm trusting in my Savior. I'm waking up today and I'm saying, hey, look, I don't have to have it all together. I just have to trust the one that does. I, I love this interview. And, and here's the craziest part. We're talking about three young ladies playing softball who didn't really talk anything about softball to answer the question. And they've got a coach sitting there quietly who absolutely is the reason why they're saying what they're saying. Because somewhere on the field, she made it about life. So when you ask yourself, well, how do, how, do I, how do I take my job and how does it glorify God? How does a softball coach that probably gets paid good money to do what she does? Because their college obviously knows what they're doing if they've won that many championships in the last four years. All, she, all she's paid to do is go out and talk about baseball. Who cares what happens to them? They should, they could, listen, those colleges could care less if they even graduate. Just bring home the trophy and get a ring. Coach steps out on that, that field every single time with them and, and, yes, teaches them how to be winners, but more importantly, she obviously taught them how to love Jesus. And you know that because they didn't say, well, you know, growing up in a good Christian home, my mom and dad instilled this into me. What, all three of them, all three of them. Coach says this. Coach says this. Coach reminds us of this. Coach is living her faith out on the field in that locker room probably spending time with those girls when she doesn't have to. That's what Peter's talking about. He says, when, when, I, when I realize that with the end in mind, there's far greater things than just going through the motions and just doing life, and I can use my everyday life to glorify God, if a, if a softball coach can do it, then any one of us can. And it doesn't, listen, I, I've said this a thousand times, it's not about just running around and preaching Jesus, it's living a purposeful life that when people see who you are, they will start to ask questions, and when the doors are open, you answer them, and you walk them through. When you see somebody struggling, you say, hey, can I pray for you? And they say, oh, I would love that. Because, listen, most people are not going to turn down prayer. <laughs> can I pray for you? Absolutely not. Even out of nicety, they may say, uh, yeah, please, I'm, I'm going through it. Will you please pray for me? And now you've got a decision to make. Do I pray for them right then and there? Or do I, like, wait and pray at home? And I remember it was about, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, Stephanie looked at me and she said, you know, we've, we get in the habit of saying, I'll pray for you. And then we go home and do we? She goes, why? Why do we not just stop and pray for them? So we try to get into a habit. If somebody says, pastor, will you pray for me? I've got this coming up. Hey, well, let's pray right. I'm going to pray for you, but let's pray right now. Could you imagine at your workplace can I pray for you for this situation? They say, oh, I'd love that. Okay, do you got, do you got a minute and a half? Prayers don't have to be long, people. <laughs> I think we've gotten this idea that we've got to beg God to do something. Like, Jesus would literally walk around and he would like meet them and they'd be in their, their time of need and he'd say, in, in my father's name, it, be healed. And he'd walk away. And he says that the same spirit that is in him to do that is in us to do it now. So we don't have to sit there and go, God, if it's your will, God, if you're here, God, if it, like, no, like, hey, God, this is their need. We're, 
bringing it to you. So whatever that looks like, God, you know we don't. But we're asking for this, and we give you the glory. Amen. That took like 30 seconds. Who knows that that person doesn't go home and it just wrecks their whole world. They're thinking about it all day. That's what it means to be ready in season and out of season. That's what it means to live for the glory of God. It's that everywhere I go, I'm going to carry the ability to listen to God. And if he asks me to do something, I'm going to do it. Those three girls' lives are forever changed. And who, who knows how many other girls on that softball team? To me, it sounds like it permeates their locker room. If they can so boldly just get up in front of a microphone and say, well, let's, let's just take this little top press conference time to speak about Jesus for, you know, the next four minutes, and all three of us are going to share, it, it permeates their life. These three girls saying, softball's great, and I love it, but listen, it's going to fade away with everything else, and I'm living to, to make a difference for the kingdom of God for the rest of my life. That's what Peter's talking about. I'm going to live with the end in mind. I'm going to love going to church and love my church people, and I'm going to make a difference out in this world to the best of my ability. Will you join me in prayer? Father, I just pray that over us. God, there's not a, we'll raise your hand, do this. Like, God, no, I just, I, I pray that spirit over us as a church. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would enact in us the ability to hear your voice, to draw close to you, to hear your voice and be willing to act. That God, that we would want to be far from sin so that we could be close to you, anxious to wake up every day and say, God, what do you have in store? Even on the worst days, God, I'm excited to live my life. So who knows? In the midst of my worst day or maybe my coworker's worst day or a family member's worst day, maybe, just maybe, I have the opportunity for, to change their forever showing them your goodness and your love. Father, I pray that when we leave this place, it, the, the, the purpose of church, the, the kingdomness of church, which is to carry your kingdom everywhere we go, to, to, to know you, to find our personal freedom in you, to, to discover our purpose, but then that last pillar, which is to go and make a difference everywhere we go whether through teaching a child or, or, or the trades or, or engineering or working the counter as a cashier. It doesn't matter what we do for a living. It matters who we are inside and whom we are part of. Carry the kingdom everywhere we go. Ready to make a difference. And I, I love this church. I love our people. I pray blessing over them, but I pray that they would be a blessing just as much. God, I pray that they would go and make you famous everywhere and every possibility they can. Holy Spirit, we ask for your gifts to be given to us in the time and in the way that you see fit. Help us to have wisdom to hear and to do. We love you, Jesus. We bless your name. We ask for a great week ahead. And we ask that God, more importantly, just like these three girls, that we would say, you know what, I've got a whole life ahead of me and all I want to do is spread the kingdom through how I live my life. God, I thank you for those that financially support and give to the church, God. It's not just giving to the church, it's really giving to the kingdom. Yes, lights stay on, bills get paid, but God, more importantly, lives are changed. Not only here, but afar. We give 
out of obedience, but God, we give because we know that it makes a difference. I bless those that are faithful to your giving, God. We lift you up, we give you glory and honor. In your name we pray, amen. 